Well, the four o'clock is meeting today at four o'clock. These are all neat. I've been uh, working on my house in Southside, and I play different things. And uh, I enjoyed the four o'clock service from last week, playing it. And of course, you can come in person this afternoon if you want to come to the four o'clock. Is there anything else going on? Let's see. Uh, Recovery Church is on Saturday nights at uh, 7 to 8 next door. Um, you don't have to be in recovery in it, but you can still come to Michael Bynum Pastors. That Brooke has a Tuesday at 7 p.m. And so to tune in, do they need to send you a message or something or... Yeah, a group, Gas and Vineyard, Mere Christianity. Request, okay. And then on Wednesday nights, Kenny Ray has a group on the Bible Project. And so you can, I don't know how, how you get in touch with them. Ask Liz again. Yeah. Same thing? Same thing. Or, or yeah, or just desperately send Liz a message. Is <laughs> another, another method, method to do that. Let's pray. Father, we bless you on this Lord's Day, ancient of days. We have no power except that we have, as your children, the ability to bless you and to be thankful and to be in awe of you and to be in love with you and to be amazed by you. Thank you for being the kind of God you are. Lord Jesus, our brother, our savior, the lover of our beings, the one who mocks with us, we honor you. Holy Spirit, the quiet third person of the Godhead, thank you for being with us. Open our minds and our hearts, our whole being, to our Father and to Jesus our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Romans uh, chapter... Where was I? Chapter 11, for just a minute. Verse 25. Now, I keep hearing a sound. You suppose that's the 
fan rubbing metal in the back or is a strange, does anyone? Oh, well then in that case, oh yeah, let it go then, good. Yeah, I, I turned on the fan and didn't have it in correct position, Kyle, and it was, it was working on the wooden part back there. So it was good to unplug real quick. So you, you need to sit there with the plug and be prepared to pull it out if you didn't do it right because it's a giant fan. It's like an airplane. It's like something that Howard Hughes made for the Spruce Goose, one of the engines, the famous wooden airplane. Uh, this says, this is New American Standard, and just a verse or two here. Um, for Paul's written Romans to the Romans, and it says, um, I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. Why would he tell them that? Because he knew it would go to their heads if they're not careful who they are. That a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. We are in that time. This has continued on since the beginning of um, after Jesus had gone into heaven and the Holy Spirit had been poured out, the time of the Gentiles had begun. This will not end until Jesus shows up in person here. That is Romans 11, chapter, verse 25, verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved. Is that maybe? Nope. I think Paul's pretty good at stuff. All of Israel will be saved just as it is written. He's quoting then from Isaiah 59:20. The deliverer will come from Zion, and he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. If you think the Jewish people have a lot going for them now, you know, if they're in the arts, the Jewish people dominate. They dominate all kinds of things. They dominated the business community. A lot of people hated them because they dominated the business community. They can't help it. They're God's children. Another place it says that a branch of the Gentiles has been grafted on to the olive tree. But we are a branch. We are not the olive tree. It's a wonderful place to be to be grafted on, but we are not the tree. The tree's roots is in the soil the way God intended it to be. Now, we are all one family because Jesus is Messiah. A lot of them don't know that yet, but we do. So, we bless them. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Well, wait just a second. got to go to... You know, when you ride around a page, it starts going crazy. Uh, Psalms 24 for just a moment. Psalms 24, I had done a rewrite of that for my choice because that was where I had left my readings in Psalms. And I'm going to read just a couple of verses. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains the world and those who dwell in it, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who 
may ascend into the hill of the Lord. And who may stand in his holy place? David is talking about because it's uphill. Who may come from down here, start walking upward to Jerusalem to finally to get up there where the tabernacle has been set because Solomon has not built the temple yet. It's a tent still sitting up there. Continual singers night and day around it, worshiping God. The ark is sitting there. The priests are sacrificing there, and it's the tent. Who may come to that place? Verse 4, he who has clean hands and a pure heart and who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfulness. You've got to prepare yourself to come into the presence of God. The good news is that if you've been born again, he's taken you from the place of you being a rebel to changing you, making payment for you. You've accepted it, and the Holy Spirit has come to dwell within you. The third person of the Godhead. You are... Not only is he out moving, not only is he manifest, like in this room at time, and, and you know, like when we were doing that just a minute ago, could you feel that quickening as Liz started reading all those parts together that you had all heard because you're all the body and you were hearing pieces and it was strung together as a psalm. Jesus' favorite place to speak from is the psalms. These 150 psalms have a big place to play in Jesus' life. And then when we go over to, let's go back to Hebrews. Hebrews mentions a lot about this. Now, I, I, um, I listened to Sinclair Ferguson speak yesterday. My wife has discovered a depository of his teachings uh, on YouTube. Is he Scottish? I know that accents like he didn't sound Irish. He's, he's Scottish, and uh, wow, he <laughs> wow. So I I made sure that I didn't get in touch with Liz and Jamie to know what they were doing this morning because I wasn't sure what I was doing and I didn't want to like oh wait a minute because because I heard them say something you know I need to hear. So uh, I was listening to pieces of stuff and um, so there things lodged within me. Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16. Now, I went up and got my tallit. And I'm going to put it not on because for those of you at home, our air conditioner has gone out in this building again. And we are sucking air out the back door, changing our air supply in this room every few minutes. And, of course, this part would go around my neck and is written in Hebrew, and these knot, the knotting parts that are knotted here are knotted in patterns, and the knotting patterns spell out names of God. You would know if you could read the knots. I can't. They just tell me that that's what that is. So I'm going to put this here to represent the greater reality 
that is going on. Is that, that's kind of almost even, because if you're like me, you gotta keep walking by and somebody like moves a, moves a painting every time you go, I mean a photograph, because they know you're gonna stop and straighten it because it makes you crazy. I poured out water up here, yes. And now it's pouring out onto the stage. Okay. Ah, that's probably not an accident. Which prophet was it that was giving the one about the temple when he's taken there? Is that Ezekiel? He's taken to the temple, and uh, he says, uh, look. And Ezekiel's looking, and he sees water running out from under the door of the temple. Water is running down the steps of the temple. The water is starting to get deeper after the steps. And he goes down and stands in it. And the Lord says, wade into it. He wades into it. It's ankle deep. He wades into it. It's waist deep. He keeps wading into it until he can't stand. It's just swimming. The water's getting deeper all the time, no matter what we see going on. The earth is under attack. I, I watched, uh, sometimes I, I do things and I don't see the connection, and uh, I started thinking about my sci-fi movies, and I just wanted to see Independence Day. Independence Day with uh, Will, what's his name? Smith, Will Smith. Uh, it came out in 1996, and Independence Day is on the macro level, the big level. You know, it starts with this giant spaceship passing over the moon and vibrating where, the, where our astronauts have walked into the fact that their footprints kind of disappear in the shaking of the surface of the moon dust. It comes to rest over the Earth, and then all these smaller ships go out across the Earth from the mothership. Now, the smaller ships are 15 miles across. One parks itself over New York, one parks itself over Washington, one parks itself over Los Angeles and other major cities, and there is a war that takes place. They capture one of the aliens, the alien starts talking to a human, I'm probably giving it away, I'm sorry, you can you know, go rent it or something, talking to the human and the president of the United States is there and the president is just saying, can't we get along? I mean, the universe is a big place. No. Of course, he's choking, you know, speaking to the crazy scientist person. What do you want? I want to kill you, all of you. They've come to take the planet. The president has a flash of a moment as it enters his mind and then they kill the alien and he says, They've come, in a, in a moment, he says, they have come, they've been doing this, they've been moving across the universe, they take a planet, they take everything of value from there, and then they move on and get them another one. So now we're in the macro level, the micro level. We have got a virus. You know, I always think of it like zombie movies, like World War Z, except this is World War C-19 or something, you know. But it's the small version this other movie was of, and this is not a movie. It's too bad it's not a movie. 
a giant ship, a giant ship with all these other giant ships coming from the mothership. This is half alive. It performs four of the life functions of a living life form. It stills life. That's what viruses do. This one happens to, when you look under a microscope, it looks like it's got a crown on it. So they call it corona, which means crown. You think that's an accident? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this is an attack against humanity because the children of God happen to be humans. The ones that have come to him and the ones yet to come to him and the enemy hates us. For all of the angels that are in heaven right now working just doing what they do, and they love to worship God when they're not like taking out the trash. You know, it's just, just a reason to worship God. There's a third of them that left heaven in rebellion under Lucifer, and apparently they've landed around here until they are corralled up at the, at the time that God does this later. So just because you're human, they hate you, because you have great potential, because God so loved us, the world, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him might be saved from John 3.16. That's enough to mark you out. And when the fullness of time comes in your life and the Holy Spirit brings you under conviction and you either say yes then or you go, well, can we do this again? You know, and sometimes he asks some of us 50 times. He's gracious. Sometimes he asks one person only one time. You don't know. But... Time after time, going on right now, this moment on the earth, someone's being asked and someone's saying yes. And they're born from above. The Holy Spirit's taken up residence. Jesus' death for them has been applied. His blood is not wasted. They are marked now as a child of God. Amen. So, Hebrews 4, verse 14. I'm going to take selective little pieces here and read to you. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, but it's written to Jewish believers, so it spins from that direction. 14, therefore, since we have a great high priest, talking about Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore... Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Where is Jesus right now? He's at the right hand of, the God, of our Father, right? Father has said to him, let's back up. It's the last time he's with the disciples. He's telling them, go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Yahweh, all caps, words that Jewish people don't pronounce. You know, these letters that we have inserted vowels into, Y-W-H-W, nope, the unpronounceable one, no. Baptize them in the name of the Father, he called him Father, of the Son, meaning himself, and the Holy Spirit. 
Go into all the nations and do this. But stay in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere until you receive power. Ten days later, on the morning of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out. Looks like tons of fire comes down upon the, on the people gathered in the upper room, 120. The Spirit lands on their heads and goes inside of them. They become lunatics. They go outside. There's like, what, 19 different languages of people there because they're there for Pentecost, for this Jewish festival. And they start speaking in tongues and in languages. And people hear it in their different languages. And they're saying, what? They've already heard the roaring in the sky that's drawn them to the upper room outside of it, down in, out down in the streets. And now these drunk disciples have poured out of this room. They're drunk looking because you and I have experienced the Holy Spirit. It's a drunken-like sensation. You are high on the Holy Spirit. They are high because Peter says, they are not drunk as you suppose. Why does he say that? Because they thought they were drunk. They're full of the Spirit. He starts preaching. It pierces their hearts because he's under anointing of the Spirit now. Peter, who was always saying dumb things before, has really got it together because the Holy Spirit's come on Peter. Of course, Peter got to walk on water and do other things because he just did it first, thought about it second. He's probably HDA. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's like people I know. They jump off the building and then they think about it when they break their foot because they shouldn't have jumped off the building with their cape. They should have not, you know. Other young people go, mm, I'm not going to do that. I might break my foot. Peter walked on water, did all kinds of things. Okay, so he's preaching. Their hearts are pierced. What must we do? Repent. Believe in the name of Jesus and you'll be saved. 3,000 come to him that day. Back under the time of Moses, when they're out in the desert one day and they start questioning Moses' authority, and Moses is just saying, look, I work for God. I, I didn't cause this. Yeah, well, we don't like, we don't want to. There is an earthquake. The ground opens up and 3,000 complainers fall into the earth and it closes back over them in the wilderness. All these years later, God is saying, it's going to be different. I'm going to add 3,000 this time. They start meeting house to house. Eventually, they turn into 5,000. They make Jerusalem crazy. They don't go back to their home countries. People start selling stuff, trying to feed everybody that's sleeping on their living room floor, wherever they're sleeping. It's a wild time. God says to Jesus, now that he's gone to the throne of God our Father, the one who dwells in an unapproachable darkness and like a cloud's presence, you know, we, we just tell his presence is there. Jesus has sat down at his right hand. The Father has said, I want you to sit here until I make your enemies your footstool. He turns to the Father and asks him to send the Spirit on the morning of Pentecost, and the Spirit has come and now is among us. He's got other things to do, but he's, he is with every believer. Each believer has third person of the Godhead in them. Now, 
Let's let this represent Jesus. I can't think of a visual. Can we let this represent Jesus? Okay. He is at the throne of heaven right now. There is a tabernacle there. The one that Moses made from the pattern that God gave him in the wilderness was by on purpose was a pattern, was a shadow and top. Later, when David wants to make a permanent one, a temple in Jerusalem, God says, you can't do it, you got too much blood on your hands, but I'll let your son do it. David starts collecting everything needed to make this temple. I think undoubtedly God probably gave him the whole layout, the whole plan to David. He knew what it would look like. Solomon constructs it. When Solomon constructs the temple, the priest can't even work because the cloud, the presence of God comes into the temple just like he did into the tent in the wilderness with Moses. They couldn't work then either, couldn't do their job. His presence comes into the temple in Jerusalem, in Solomon's temple. Temples are built, destroyed, rebuilt. There's one at Jesus' time they rebuilt. Not as good as, not as fancy as that. It was a pretty nice place. Holy Spirit has now come, lives with you. Jesus is still working. He's not just seated. He is the high priest. St. Clair Ferguson and me listening to him yesterday, he quotes somebody else says, God has taken dust to the throne of heaven. Fully God, fully man. There is a man, perfect man, right now at the throne of heaven. Kind of sense it like one foot of you is at the throne with Jesus because... Jesus says, if you've seen, the, seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. He sends the Holy Spirit, which is a Zach duplicate. You know, he is the third person of God. He is in you. So you are, just because you don't feel it doesn't change the reality. You are where? You are in two places. There is the witnesses upon the earth. There is those that have gone on before, died in the Lord, and are with him. You are here. And your other foot, so to speak, is in Jesus at the throne of God. You are in two places at the same time, time, space, it's spiritual. Just hard to imagine for a minute, but you are there with him. You are with him right now. Hebrews 5, verse 7. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety. And although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. 
and being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And you read on Melchizedek, it's real mystical, you know. He has no beginning, he has no end. He meets Abraham, and Abraham gives him a tenth of everything. He blesses him. This priest comes out of nowhere. You know, it's Christophany, Jesus appearing back then with Abraham. Kind of wild. So the high priest that has replaced Aaron has replaced all the priests down through the years because since they're human, they die and they go on to be with the Lord and they're replaced, 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 replaced. There is a high priest that is human, fully human, fully God, performing the activity of the high priest right this moment at the throne of heaven, at the tabernacle of God, with the mercy seat, that has been sprinkled with not lamb's blood, but the blood of Jesus. You are there and here because you are in Christ. You are in both places. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and love which you have shown toward his name and having ministered and still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath is given as confirmation is the end of every dispute. You know, they'll say, well, I swear by the whatever. You know, that's a good Jewish way of like, Saying, I'm telling you the truth. Verse 17, in the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise. Just take these little phrases and roll them around sometimes for hours. Or just heirs of the promise. You are heirs of the promise. The unchangeableness of his purpose. Made with this oath. Verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have, would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul. A hope both sure and steadfast and one that enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become the high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Our elder brother, our lover, is the high priest of humanity.
He has chosen to ever be the intercessor for the family. We are one. Those who have gone before us, like our parents, we are one. Friends, neighbors, grandparents, great-grandparents, going back in time. We are one. We are one in Jesus. Witness of the Holy Spirit within us. We are one. And, that is, and John saw Jesus after he was baptized, coming up out of the water, and saw the Holy Spirit come down like a, a dove descending upon Jesus, resting upon him. We are one. We look like the first Adam, but the second Adam came and changed all this so that we are humans, as he was, son of man, but son of God. We are his family. He has gone in front of us. Chapter 7 of Hebrews, verse 23. The former priests, on the one hand, existed in greater number because they were prevented by death from continuing. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints a son made perfect forever. Hebrews 8, verse 1. In the fullness of your time, Lord, you take the COVID-19 and would you just dry it up in your time. You let it exist the length of time you want it to exist, and then in the name of Jesus, dry it up. Blow it away. Verse 1. Now, the main point is what has been said is this. Hebrews writer is summing up here. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesties in heaven, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true sacred tent or tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man, 
For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, so it is necessary that this high priest also have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. For, see, he's quoting this is in scripture, he says that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by such that he also the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been Flawless, there would have been no occasion for a second. But finding fault with them, he says, Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them says the Lord. Verse 10, for, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. He's quoting Jeremiah 31, 33. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother saying, know the Lord, for all will know me from the least to the greatest of them, for I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Who needs prayer? If you'll stand where you are, we will pray for you. Yes. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we are standing here on the earth and we are with you at, at the throne of heaven. In your name, we ask that you see each person standing, which we know you see. And because they're standing, Lord, you know they have needs. Lord, come upon them. Fulfill the desire of their hearts beginning now. Pour out your mercy. Pour out your grace. Pour out your power. Holy Spirit, be the wind of heaven and come upon them. Come upon them. Anything that has caused them to lose hope, change that. Anything that's caused them to fear, change that. You are the God of heaven and earth. You are here. Walking among us. We are your people. The sheep of your pastors. Look up on them and touch them now. Right now. Touch them Lord. Touch them. Now. Come. Anybody's watching at home? God sees you. Just do something that lets him know that you want him to come. Come on them right now. Right this minute, any time that you watch this later, time, space has no meaning to it. It's a construct. You see this in a week or two, meet them right now when they see it. Whenever they see it. Months from now, meet them in Jesus' name. Come, come, come.
Now I'm getting hypersensitive because I'm up here. I'm kind of kinesthetic. It feels like a spirit wind is blowing. It feels different. More. More. More, Lord. Come. Come. Oh, come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Mm. Open our eyes to a greater awareness of who you are, of where we are, of how we are in constant communion with you. Visit us and are rising up, are lying down, are coming in, are going out. When we lie up on our beds and we sleep, would you come into our dreams? Would you give us waking visions when we are awake? Strong enough that we can see there, see what it is you're doing, and, but not crash our car. Anything else? Prophecy. Good, healthy prophecy that falls within the fence of the scriptures, of the heritage of the church. Healthy prophecy validated by you. By other believers. Increase evangelism among us, Lord. Have us, each of us speak when we're supposed to speak. The hope of you to others. Anytime that you need to do healing through us as ambassadors of your kingdom, would you fill us with healing in our hands, in our words, our actions? Would you open the scriptures to a new depth to us? Thank you for this season of deepening our worship by talking to us about it, by experiencing it, by writing, rewriting psalms, by writing a psalm today. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now keep everything that you have said to each of us. Blow away all that which is just natural. Yes. I just feel part of us gathering together, part of the worship is us encouraging each other and reminding each other. You know, when you come together, even take communion in remembrance of me. And so, recalling and remembering. And for me, just from some of the stuff I've had to heard the last few weeks, I just I want to speak vaguely to that. What has always encouraged me and where I've always felt like I've grown the most in Christ is when I remember. <laughs> Amen.
Yeah. Oh, that's good, John. That's good. Yeah, he does. Wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he is present. He's moving among us. If one can chase a thousand, then two can chase 10,000. I didn't say it. He said it. So bless y'all today. Thanks. Karen, we're through. Bless y'all, y'all, for tuning in.